undefeated lightweight prospect Max Roshkoff. What's going on, Max? Uh, I see you're outside. It's nighttime. How are you living? Uh, it's good. Just uh, hanging out. It's out in Vegas right now. It's like I don't even know how hot it is, but it's, at night it gets pretty. It's pretty nice. During the during the days though, you don't really. You kind of sprint in your car to get in it and turn the turn the AC on. It's so hot. Well, it's good to it's good that the UFC is back in town, right? It, it must be different right now. Yeah. So actually, I got a call this morning. So um, Kevin Holland pulled out of the Daniel Rodriguez fight with an injury, and my manager Byron Butler called me this morning. I like just woken up. I was like barely awake yet. I hadn't had any caffeine yet, and called me. He was like, "Hey, like, what do you weigh? And have you been able to?" train through all this i'm like i haven't missed a day since all this things started i got my own little group so i haven't been able to i mean i've been able to train pretty much non-stop and he called me and said hey god would you uh want to take this daniel rodriguez fight i'm gonna try to get you in and he was just like and i without even the only thing i asked i was like well what i didn't know who he was i was like well what's he good at and he was like uh he's a striker dominantly and i was like all right bet let's go then it and I just said yes, and then that was the conversation. Then I think he tried to get it for me, but then I think uh, they had a 70-pounder prospect take it instead of me moving up. So didn't get that. I was actually hoping the fight this weekend, and it turns out uh, I'm not. So pretty bummed about that, but I was ready to go. Well, there's going to be a couple more cards coming up in the next couple yeah. weeks, next couple months in Vegas, so they know who you are. And, you know, you're willing yeah. to take a fight at 170, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what uh, the biggest thing I thought. I thought it was a long shot for them. I'm sure there's there's 70 pounders that they would want that are prospects at 70 pounds that they would probably want to get in. So I knew it was a long shot, but I just wanted to kind of put my name out there so they know I'm down to take a fight on at 70. It needs I I just need a day because I don't got to make weight. If it's 55, I probably just need like a day and a half, and I'm good to go. Definitely. Well, you're right down the road, so that's uh that's perfect, man. Now uh um now you're from Ohio, and uh, I saw a little documentary piece that you did, uh, and you're talking about you living in a in the middle of a cornfield in a trailer. You know what was life? You know, describe like life as a kid, a young kid in that environment. Yeah. So my my parents got divorced when I was like five years old. Hmm. After I I mean I I kind of. I kind of like look back and like I'll mess with my mom and be like, Hey, like, I don't, I don't think you were the smartest person, like marrying my dad mm -hmm. and creating me. Like it just wasn't, he just wasn't a good person. And then, so, but he had, so his, him and his, the whole family, he, he inherited the family farm and they were like, and he's a construction worker that built houses, like two, three, $500,000 houses by himself. Like he didn't have a crew, so he would literally build these houses and then take all the profit. So he had a he had a lot of money, and my mom was a stay at home mom from the time she was like nineteen. And so when they got divorced, after my dad actually held us at gunpoint, me and my mom and my brothers, um, she was kind of left with nothing, and three kids, no job, no higher education, no anything. So, and then because my dad had all the money, he was winning like the court cases to see us. And I don't really like, I have like a lot of disdain for at least like the, the law enforcement in my, and where I'm from, not necessarily all over the country, but where I'm from, they're, they're pieces of dog shit. And, uh, so I was going back and forth between my mom and my, um, 
my dad pretty much every week. And my dad was always like, I was so young. I didn't realize like all the stuff he did was like so terrible. All I saw is that he was always like buying us shit and like letting us ride four wheelers and doing all this cool shit. And then when we were with our mom, we barely had money to eat. So like there for a little bit, I was always like leaning towards more towards my dad because I didn't know, like, I didn't really like, cause when you grow up in like a bad situation like that, you don't really know what's right and what's wrong. You're going to learn what's happening. And I just thought like, like how my mom, how my dad treated my mom. Like I almost thought like that happened in every family. Like I thought that was normal. And then as I started to get older, I started to have friends. I started to hang out with people. I started wrestling. I started seeing, seeing things. I realized that that wasn't, that's not right. And then once I was about 12 or 13, I can't remember exactly when, but I kind of like, I cut my dad out. He was still legally supposed to see us. And I told, I told my mom, I told him and I told the judges or whatever. I was like, I'm not going over there and you literally cannot make me see him. And once I did that, um, one of my brothers, well, both of them a little kind of, kind of followed suit because my both younger brothers kind of just did what I did. And then we just pretty much just stayed with my mom. And then that's when I started wrestling. And a lot of it was just like, I remember, I mean, I got a job once I was 15, so I could have gas money to go travel an hour and a half just to go to wrestling practice. And we just didn't have a lot of money there for a while. And then my mom ended up after several years getting a good job. And then we started to do a little bit better. But until I was like, 15, 16, it was like uh, ketchup sandwiches, cereal for dinner, uh, not a lot of money. And I've always had high expectations for everything, even now. And then I remember just being like an asshole with my mom when I'm like 12 years old and we're living like shit. And I'm like pushing her to want to do better because I was like, I don't know, I was a weird kid. I was just, like, always, like, asking her, like, hey, can you go get a better job? Can you work harder? Stuff like that. And in hindsight, I was kind of being an asshole. But um, I, think it, I think it worked out for the best. Yeah, well, it, it builds character, right? Going through all yeah. of that stuff at a young age and being a, and supporting yourself and earning your own money. Because a lot of kids, they don't do that. Even I think nowadays, yeah. kids rarely do that, right? Uh, Yeah, no, I don't. And here's... um. So like with, cause we got some kids training at the, at the gym now at Drysdale's and like, we can't like some of them show up sometimes. Some of them act all, they're all kind of inconsistent. Right. And I just like, I'll tell them like, Hey, like I would have killed someone. I dead ass would have fucking, you tell me I could get away without a killed someone to get the type of training mm -hmm. 10 minutes from my house that you're getting right now. When I was 12 years old, like I knew that I knew what I wanted. And I think that's, like, as far as, like, being, like, lucky or talented, I think that's the one thing that I just, I've always had inside me. It's never been, like, super great athleticism or super smart or anything like that. I've just always, I've had that kind of, like, weird drive, I guess. And I don't know where that, I don't know. I don't know if that was built through what I went through or, or what. But I do think you got to, things have to be hard. For you, have, for you to be successful. Like, I have some friends that were, like, pretty well off financially and stuff. But in their head, they convinced themselves that they were in a shitty situation. 
and that created their work ethic. And from the outside looking in, I'm like, bro, your parents make $100,000 a year. That's how much my mom made in 10. Like, it's not, it's not the same, but they still convinced themselves that they weren't in a good situation and stuff. And then they had to work their ass off to get out of it. And now they're super successful and stuff like that. So especially now that I teach kids and I'm around a lot of kids and helping train some kids, um, I'm super hard on them because I know, like, especially at home, they're probably not, nothing's hard. And you got to have that adversity. You got to have that hard shit to, to really uh, build those building blocks. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, those are the best teachers, man. Now, you get into wrestling at a young age. You grind. Division one, North Carolina State. You're wrestling over there, successful. Who comes up to you and says, "Hey, what are you gonna do afterwards? You, you want to fight?" Yeah, yeah. So once I uh, like it, until like my senior year of high school, I didn't think it was gonna be like a possibility that I wrestle in college because where I grow up, everyone tells us like, "Oh, you guys don't have the genetics. You guys don't. You guys don't realize how hard Division One sports is." Blah blah blah. And then I like, I've just always been stubborn and not listen to people. Right. And I was like, yeah, no, I think I can do it. And then, um, I'm actually, I had actually, uh, fractured my vertebrae my junior year of high school. And so I was out for like nine months in a back brace. And then two weeks before, um, this like preseason national tournament, I decided I was going to, I got clear and I was going to go wrestle in it. And then I didn't practice. Like I practiced like one time, maybe wrestling and the rest I just ran the cut weight and stuff cut weight end up winning the tournament and then on my way back I'm talking to my best friend Jacob Casper and he's like doing all this like recruiting stuff and like he's getting recruited and like reaching out to colleges and stuff and I'm like hey do you guys think you could help me out with that and then they helped me out with it end up going to NC State and then once like before all that i thought i was just gonna go to a community college and be a be a gym teacher at, a, at my high school in my hometown like that's what i thought that's where we're, kind of where my goals were at and that's what i thought was realistic and then once i got to nc state i start uh i'm around all these high level athletes and i just didn't know like i was never really i didn't i couldn't pick a major i wasn't sure i thought i wanted to do like nutrition science Cause I'm really into food, but then like I started doing that and then I realized like the classes are like super hard and I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. So I just started to pick, pick sport management, something that I could do and that was easy and keep me eligible so I could wrestle. Right. And then once, um, I was just really focused on wrestling and then Sean Spangler actually came in. So he was an alumni at NC state, uh, black belt under Robert Drysdale. He came in and wrestled with us my freshman year of college and basically, he just moved back out from Vegas. He invited us to come train uh, jiu-jitsu at his new gym. And then I was the only one that really took him up on it. And I started talking to him. Like, we're hanging out. And we would, like, I would show up. Class would start at, like, 7 or 8. And then class would be done in about two, two and a half hours. And then me and him would stay and roll until, like, 11 or 12 o'clock at night because we're just, like, both weirdos. And, like, I think both of us just didn't want to quit. Like it was, we were trying to see who would quit first. And so we were always doing that shit where it was just like a two hour grind match with maybe like every 10 minutes we'd take a break or whatever for like a minute or two. But we would roll until like 11 or 12 and then we would, I would get to talking to him and he was around a lot of guys at Extreme Couture and like Martin Kamen and was telling me stories about 
fighting. He was like, hey, like if you if you want to do this, I think I could I could help you. And so I started training jujitsu with him. Expressed that interest to my coaches at NC State, and they just so happened uh, one of the big uh, I don't know what you'd call them like sponsors or donors to the Division One program is actually uh, the owner of Oak Grove Technologies, Mark Gross, and he was. From what I understand, he's one of the big sponsors at AKA and some of the guys that were um, a lot of guys who were UFC champions in like the from like 2010 to like 2015, 16, like had a big part of the career of like Josh Koscheck, uh, DC, Luke Rockhold, all those guys. And uh, so I expressed that interest to my coaches. They talked to Mark and Mark actually... Uh, kind of set it up so I was able to at least go out and try to train with uh, Josh Koscheck at, at Dethrone. And so that was the first experience I had sparring whereas I just I got thrown in there with like Chris Honeycutt and Josh Koscheck with real, uh, little jujitsu, very, very basic boxing and then then wrestling and I got the I got to spar with some of the best guys in the world at the time. And so that was really cool. And then still just mainly focusing on wrestling in the summers. I was doing jujitsu. I would wake up, lift, go to boxing, go to the boxing gym. Uh, I had, uh, I don't know if you know, I don't know how many people know him, but Remy Fullwood, who was my boxing coach in, um, in Raleigh, he's awesome. And then I would go to wrestling practice and then I would go to jujitsu practice at night. And that was pretty much my summers when I was in college. Uh, but yeah, I just had like a lot of, a lot of people really there wasn't one but i think the one person that kind of changed the trajectory of what i was going to do was was sean well so that is the whole connection with zenith and and extreme couture and and you know sparring josh koscheck in your first sessions is is pretty insane and it was chris honeycutt who was like he was undefeated at the time and was like he had a lot of hype on him and i was like I was like just throwing bombs and trying to tackle them. I didn't know anything. I was just throwing as hard as I could and like double leg. And then I scrambled well. I've always been scrambly, so I was doing okay. But it was just like on endurance and and wrestling, really. So you know, speaking of scrambles, man, you you have great scrambles, great control on the ground. Uh, we know that because all your wins are submissions. You, the neck is not safe around you. Is that like the the target that everybody has when you see them in inside inside the cage across from you? You know, so like in my last fight, I kind of like. I think what well, the one knock on me and is people haven't seen a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Like it's not good that I've all my all my fights have been I haven't been touched and I just choke them out. People don't really. I think that that's seen as a bad thing. And I just really take what they give me. And in my last fight, I like was kind of like, I wanted to take my time and kind of not show off, but I wanted to show some more, more skill sets. But I inside leg kick and he puts his head down. I'm going to choke you out. Like it doesn't matter really. Um, especially if you have, I think if like you haven't felt it before, I think I'm just like on a different level as far as certain techniques go, especially with the front headlock, the guillotines, the darces and stuff. But like these guys, like they, the guy was a black belt and like he trains at American Top Team. Like these guys think they know what a high level is, 
at least in certain positions, like, oh, I train with so-and-so. I know, like, I know how to stop this, this, or that. But they don't realize that like, there's a different, like, strength and level to it that they don't realize is there until until we're fighting and now you can't practice for it, you can't adjust for it or anything like that. But um, I'm excited to show some different skill sets down the road that, that I have and I've been working on for, for years. I just haven't had to show it yet. You have this high level of wrestling and then you've shown you know, the high level of jujitsu and this combination, it seems like it's, it's, it's something new. You know, there's guys out yeah. there that are great submission artists, but they're mostly on the jujitsu side, right? They don't have yeah. that big, uh, like wrestling background. Do you feel like you're like a new breed coming up? Yeah, I do. I think I'm going to be like the first of what I think the norm is going to be. I don't know how long it's going to take to catch up. I think it's going to take a lot of these college wrestlers being humble enough to learn jujitsu for what it is a lot of guys don't they and, and it was hard for me too like when you're when you're already when you're one of the best guys in the country at one sport and you go to another sport that's very similar but not the same and you're you suck at it it's very hard it's it's very hard to do and i think a lot of these guys just don't have they have like a superiority complex jujitsu and wrestlers both they think one is better than the other i don't see it like that i see it as I can use them both together. And like, even now when I'm training, like if I'm going with like a more of a wrestler guy, I tend to do more jitsy stuff because he doesn't know what's happening. And if I'm going with a more jitsy guy, I tend to do more wrestling because they don't know what's happening either. And I just think that's the best way to do it. I don't think, um, I think guys spend not enough time on their skill work and live they do especially it just in MMA at least they spend too much time in their strength and conditioning and striking and I know guys that are a lot of guys that I've ever that I've trained with throughout the years they do a lot of strength and conditioning a lot of pad work a lot of striking and then they do jiu-jitsu once a week and they do wrestling once a week and I don't I'm striking once a day I'm doing some type of grappling once a day and I still I do strength conditioning as normal, but I have I probably train my grappling four times, five times a week more than most of these guys. And that's just math. Once I get a hold of them, if they've if they've been doing that their whole life or their whole career, and I've been doing this my whole career, when I grab them, it's over. It's just math. They they can't. I put too much time into it. The UFC is of course the 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 promotion that you're looking at uh what are your expectations outside of becoming the champion when you enter the promotion i just want to build a platform that i would be able to do what i would want to do after i don't know exactly what i want to do after i have i have thoughts and ideas and like big dreams and stuff like that but i don't really know how that's all going to play out you know i, I would like to be I would like to be able to maybe do some acting or something fun afterwards, or maybe uh, I used to think I wanted to own a gym, but after being around some of that stuff, I don't really want anything to do with that now. Uh, so yeah, I don't really, I, I have, I have some plans. I'd want to start maybe a business or two, maybe sell some stuff. I don't know, but uh, I used to want to have things planned out. I used to have my MMA 
career planned out, and then I start I turned pro, and now I, I couldn't get – I've had five fights in two and a half years, and I thought I'd have, like, 15 by now. So it's very hard to plan stuff like that because a lot of it's not in my control. But, uh, yeah, I'll just, like, make a platform to make a difference. Well, it seems like that's kind of like your life story so far is you're on this path, but then something comes along while you're going in a certain direction and it kind of veers you off and leads you to something better. And maybe the UFC is going to, you know, like you said, there's nothing planned, but it, it's something's going to come along while you're on your journey. Yeah, I think I think I say it's luck, but I think I think you do create your own luck in a lot of ways. Um, I've had a lot of lucky breaks. I've had a lot of bad, unlucky stuff too, but I think just the way that um, I communicate, interact with people, and how I work hard and show how bad I want things, I think I've had a, been able to get a lot of help from a lot of people and be really lucky in a lot of ways. And I don't want to say it's I don't want to say it's because of me, but I also don't want to say it's just like pure luck either i think you make your own luck in a lot of ways you get into the ufc there's a, a lot of you know the lightweight division is stacked crazy uh, all different types of fighters but there's a few guys out there that are submission artists you know what i mean like yourself so who would you like to fight before they leave the promotion uh, a submission guy and i was thinking charles Oliveira sounds like a good matchup right there do you see a guy like that yeah i would uh my 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 buddy Kevin Lee just just fought Oliveira, yeah. and um, I think so. Actually, in one of my interviews um, a few weeks ago, it actually got a lot of heat. I don't know if you watched it, but I basically was like, "Hey, like I think there's some guys in the top ten that yeah, I would make it look easy." And looking back, I'm like, "Ah, oh, damn, that doesn't. I didn't explain that the right way. That's mm -hmm. just because I, I have I have respect for everyone." who I fight, even the guys I fought at this point who haven't been, obviously they aren't the caliber of the guys I want to fight, but I convince myself in my head that everyone's good, even if they're not. So I have the respect for these guys, but that's just my style. There are certain people with certain skill sets, and even if they have a good skill set, my I have a style that I can, I can pull something out of my ass at any time and make it look easy. I just can do that. I've shown that in my fights already. And I was able to do that in wrestling too. Everyone knew that like, even if it, if it's a, I would, there was all Americans that I pinned and then I couldn't even, I would, I would beat like a guy who was like 500 by like two points. Like, I've always had that kind of lights out style a little bit, at least when I was wrestling. And now I'm a little bit more calculated. I'm a little bit smarter. But I, I've always had the ability to kind of, especially now with the jiu-jitsu, being able to submit guys easily. And that has nothing to do with me being so much better than them or them not being good. It has just a lot to do with how, how I do things. I'm very intrigued on like what you can accomplish in the UFC once you get signed because you bring a, a, a unique combination of skills that hasn't come along and uh yeah and i want to see it i want to see you fight the the up-and-coming guys and build yourself up that's what that's what the excitement of the ufc is all about you know what i mean to see how fast you get to the top 
and uh, who who you can beat and how you can beat them. Max, man, thank you so much for the time and uh, good luck on getting signed. It's most likely going to happen this year with uh, everything that's going on. And uh, well, you know, I'll reach out again and we'll do this again before you make your debut. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Had fun being on.